Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. Stephen Gruz is an expert on South African foreign policy and works at SIA, the South African Institute for International Affairs. And he joins me now to discuss what happens next. Hello, Stephen. Hi, Sharice. How are you doing? This is nostalgia because, of course, I used to work with you at the Jewish Board of Deputies and uh, was the first uh, person on Jewish Board Talk uh, before you uh, took it over from me when I left the board. So lovely to be here. Thank you. Stephen, thank you so much for coming. And it really is wonderful to have you in the studio. Um, I actually kind of am also getting nostalgic remembering the last interview you did where I interviewed you and was kind of the beginning of my role here. So uh, do you miss it? Yeah, I do miss it. Things come full circle. So uh, I, I miss being on the radio. I really enjoyed it when I when I was at the board. Well, here is an open invitation that any time you'd like to come onto Jewish Board Talk to share whatever's happening in the world of South African foreign affairs, please let me know. That's great. You have an open door policy. Um, it's Jan. <laughs> Stephen, you wrote a very interesting article that appeared in the latest edition of Jewish uh, South African Jewish Report. And you look at what the next step is now with regard to the downgrade. Um, firstly, South African foreign policy, where is it made? That's a very good question. Uh, in Thabo and Becky's days, I think a lot of South African foreign policy was made in the presidency rather than in the Department of Foreign Affairs. Under Jacob Zuma, I think uh, the presidency has stepped back a little bit and there's been a much greater role for the ANC's International Relations Committee headed by Minister Edward Molewa. So the party has a much greater say uh, in that. And I think... Um, Obviously, the Ministry of DERCO, the Department of International Relations and Cooperation, uh, makes a big input, as does uh, the Minister of International Relations and the Deputy Ministers of International Relations. And I know that the Jewish community has had their run-ins with Deputy Ministers of, in of International Relations, including Fatima Hajjag and uh, Marius Franzmann, to, to, name, to name a couple. Um, so it's, it's messy. It's not entirely clear as to who is uh, in the driving seat, but I think DERCO is obviously a key player, as is the ANC's International Relations Committee. Now, before anything can become policy, does it have to be ratified by Parliament? No, it doesn't have to be ratified by Parliament as far as I know. But, you know, what's the, the distinction between the party of the ANC and the state is an important one. And that line is often very blurred. So often uh, the party can say things that are much more radical that don't actually make it into government policy. And a perfect example uh, of that was when Hamas came to South Africa a couple of years ago and met with the ANC. The people in the ANC they happened to meet were ministers in the government and they met the president of the ANC who happened to be the president of the country. But the ANC played the game saying, no, 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 this is a party to party discussion. It's not a government discussion. So at the moment, South Africa's foreign policy remains supportive of a two state solution and a peaceful solution to uh, the, uh, the, the conflict. So there's no, the downgrade hasn't happened yet and right. it may not happen. Right. You, in your article, you speak to a number of people about uh, whether the fact that, um, Cyril Ramaphosa, the new elected president of the ANC, mentioned in his speech. And I think the feeling was you can't really 
read too much into it. So, I mean, the fact is, uh, and I spoke to Karine Duplessis, who works for Media 24, and she was there. She was in uh, Buffalo City. She said, look, he wanted to start on time, and he did. He wanted to finish on time, and he did. And he spoke for about 75 minutes. He left out a lot of things about international mm-hmm. affairs. Uh, we didn't mention Western Sahara, which we always mm-hmm. mention. He didn't mention the DRC. He didn't mention Zimbabwe. He mentioned Kenya, because Uhuru Kenyatta, the president of Kenya, was there, a good friend of Israel, by the way. Uh, and in fact, uh, uh, Netanyahu was the only non-African head of st- uh, state to attend his inauguration recently. Sure. Uh, and he he mentioned uh, BRICS, uh, the Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, and the fact that South Africa is going to be chairing BRICS um, later this year. Wow. So... That's what he said, because I listened to him speaking. I watched it on TV. If you read the text, there is the fact that the resolution has strongly urged South Africa to downgrade the embassy to a liaison office. But I did speak to some analysts, and, and one I spoke to, and it's quoted in the, in the Jewish Report um, article, is Ibrahim Fakir, who's a well-known uh, political, political commentator. He's a Muslim, and uh, you, might, you may have guessed from the name. But uh, he said that... Um, you know, I don't, he doesn't think that the government wants to take a hasty decision. Right. But the fact is, 5,000 delegates at that conference supposedly um, uh, have approved a downgrade of the embassy. And it, it, it should, by all rights, make it into policy, but we don't know if it will, because I think there's, a, there's still an opening. I mean, another good example is if you look at the Protection of State Information Bill, and even when I was at the board with you, Sharice, and we shared offices next to each other, we were very involved as a Jewish community in giving input into what is called the Secrecy Bill. Right. Well, that, that law, which has some draconian implications, is still sitting on President Zuma's desk, uh, probably five years after it was supposed to be signed into law. So there's still an opening, but I think as a community we're going to have to work quite hard, even harder than we worked uh, for, for, the, for the, uh, the conference. Um, Stephen, the other thing that kind of puzzles me in terms of uh, consistency with regard to foreign affairs. Now, I know there has been an approach by the American government to South Africa to downgrade the North Korean embassy. I wasn't aware of that. That's interesting. And I'm not sure where that discussion so is So we have quite moment. good relations with North Korea. I mean, South Africa is besties with everyone. We, yeah. you know, it may be interesting to, for the listeners to know, according to my information, apart from the U.S., South Africa is the country with the most foreign embassies uh, in the world. So everybody has relations with South Africa virtually. Everybody. Wow. From North Korea to South Which Korea. Which makes it such an important From place. Israel to the state that they call Palestine. Um, so that's very interesting. Um, but I definitely know there's a North Korean embassy in South Africa because the Chinese hosted an event last year that I attended and the North Korean ambassador was there. Uh, so... Will South Africa listen to U.S. at this at this stage no, after like presidents it, come uh, after President Trump's um, announcement? Uh, special words that he used about Africa. Uh, the relations are not at, not at a good stage. Even at the in the dying days of the Obama administration, uh, relations were tense because we were fighting about chicken. Uh, America wanted to dump and import uh, uh, export chicken to South Africa, and it w- was going to affect local poultry farmers. And Obama's people strong armed us into actually accepting their dumped chicken maybe not kosher chicken 
but chicken nevertheless. <laughs> so we call it the chicken wall. Um, Stephen, we're going to take a break now. And before we do, because when we come back, we're going to look at another issue, and that's the Iran one. But I just want to assure you, and indeed all our listeners, that the Jewish Board of Deputies will be doing everything together with the Zionist Fed and all our friends. And we have hundreds of thousands of friends from different communities who all support Israel and who feel as strongly about the downgrade as what we do to ensure that it never becomes a reality. After the break, we'll look at Iran. Jewish Board Talk with Sharice Zaffert. And I am talking to Stephen Groost, who is an expert on South African foreign foreign policy, and he works at the South African Institute of International Affairs. Uh, Stephen, you also had an article that made headlines during December in which Israel accused South Africa or suggested that South Africa was a fertile training ground for um, Iran. Is that correct? It's a complicated story. It's a complicated Can story. Can you please sure. shed sure. light? So, um, following uh, tr- President Trump's an announcement that Israel, uh, Jerusalem is the capital of Israel and America recognizes it, and following the ANC conference where this downgrade decision was taken by the delegates, Shin Bet, which is the local version of the Mossad in Israel, so the, the local intelligence services, in the media released an article that Haaretz picked up that said that uh, Iran has been recruiting extremists in, uh, in South Africa. And there's a particular case. There's three people that were, were arrested. And one guy... Arrested here. Arrested, no, arrested in Israel. Arrested there in was Israel. a cell that was going to, in Hebron, in the West Bank, there was a cell, a terrorist cell that was recruiting suicide bombers and uh, taking photographs, etc., etc. Three people were arrested, but one of those guys came to South Africa in 2015 and met a relative of his somewhere in South Africa. So uh, this is suggesting that South Africa is fertile ground for extremists to be recruited. Now, for example, one of the people I interviewed is Hussein Solomon, who's an expert on terrorism and works at the University of the Free State. He's a professor there. And he said he was told by the Iraqi ambassador that at least 300 South Africans went to fight in Syria in Raqqa alone. Only in Raqqa, not only in Syria, just in the city of Raqqa. This has been happening. Hussein maintains, and there's a lot of evidence, the CSO also was quoted in my article, um, that there have been training camps in South Africa for a long time. Right. Now, okay, so there was a book recently that was um, distributed, and I forget, embarrassingly, the author's name. I don't know if you know which one I'm referring to, that looked at cells in South Africa and then um, well, Hussein himself has done and, a and of course of books. Hussein yeah Hussein of course has done the same yet there was kind of an insinuation in some of the newspapers that this was Israel's way of attacking South Africa following the downgrade does that make sense to you I think it makes sense I think it is one I think there is some validity to that argument but I think it's also a warning signal to both the would-be terrorists and the South African government that Israel is watching us that Israel has its eye on us, that Israel is not happy with our close relations with Iran. Uh, and, and Iran has deep inroads throughout Africa, both in the Sunni and in the Shiite, in, in the Shiite communities. And that it, it was a shot across the bows. It was a warning to say, uh, we are, uh, watching you and we have this information and we are prepared to release it to the press. So, it's the, the timing. One of the sources that I quoted, Jasmine Opperman, who's also an expert on terrorism, uh, felt that the timing was indeed a kind of 
uh, tit for tat after the downgrade decision. And in terms of the South African official response, they kind of said, we don't know of anything. If it is true, come yeah, if you've got information, come to us. Uh, it's the it's the responsibility of South Africans to report crimes to the intelligence services. But what a number of sources in my story said is that our intelligence services, if you read the President's Keepers by Jacques Poe, are so busy spying on opponents of Jacob Zuma and uh, digging up dirt on political opponents and keeping the president in power, and they're not looking out for they're not looking out of uh, for the terrorists. They're not looking out to protect South African citizens. That our spy agencies are all uh, involved in political mudslinging. Hmm. So where to from now? So from interesting. Here. The CSO said there was no specific threat in South Africa. So we, we don't want to alarm the community. When they get a specific threat, specific actions are taken. So you'll remember in 2014, around the High Holy Days, they really beefed up security at the shuls. But on this one, uh, there's, there's no reason for the community to panic. But we need to really understand and take security seriously so when we as parents at jewish schools have to stand outside once a year or once a term take that seriously because jewish institutions have been targets we know it happens in france it hasn't happened yet in south africa but we have the tulsi twins who were apparently scoping out uh, king david linksfield so we shouldn't be complacent security is a very important to take seriously and i also know that the cso would also recommend anybody to phone in any kind of suspicious activity and um, i can just give that number quickly while we're on the topic all right, six eighteen thousand eighteen. But Stephen, just you mentioned the Tulsi twins. Is this all related? Are the issues around the Tulsi twins related to Iran, or are there different cells I, I, operating? I, don't, I think they're different cells operating. I'm not sure. I, I haven't followed the Tulsi twins closely enough to say yes or no. Uh, but there's recruitment definitely happening for both Al Qaeda and ISIS in South Africa. And we know that, as you said, South Africans are fighting. Huge amounts, actually. And South Africa has taken, the government has kind of turned a blind eye to this and has almost uh, taken the attitude of, well, we won't say anything because these are our, and then you won't hit us, that we won't actually suffer a terrorist attack ourselves. Right. Well, so it's a kind of protective I think measure. societies like Britain and France and Belgium had the same thought, and we know there have been terrible attacks, the Ariane Grande concert, the Bataclan in France, the Brussels uh, station being blown up. Um, you, ca- you can't take that attitude. The, we haven't, democracies have not been able to absorb the immigrants, and we have a disaffected, um, angry, recruitable uh, young people, often second or third generation immigrants, who are prepared to go and blow themselves up or be arrested mm-hmm. or drive a car into, into 50 people. Yeah, it's it's uh, really horrific. And one of my guests, Jacques Broderick, who works for CakeNet, also did an uh, interview with people who had come back. And it really is quite scary. So vigilance, 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 and more, more vigilance. Um, Stephen, we have to end this part of the show. But I'd like to thank you for coming in. And I'd like to reiterate my invitation for you to come back. And maybe we can regularly look at the South African foreign affairs, its relationships, and how the downgrade and all other issues affecting the ICC, for example, these really important issues that affect South Africans, affect Jews, and 
and how we are affect our relationship with Israel. Can I, can I do a little bit of shameless self promotion? Please, Stephen. If people would like to uh, join my Twitter, yes. I'm at rhymes w bruised so or, or if you search for Stephen Gruz g-r-u-z-d you can find me on twitter i'm not so active but i certainly post my articles there so so we can keep up with you there but we'd rather have you in studio in person it's always a pleasure thank you very much Stephen. that was Stephen Gruz, who is an expert on south african foreign policy and works at the south african institute for international affairs